All right, welcome to the show, everybody. It's Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. Derek Chauvin is found guilty for the George Floyd murder, and Brewers pitcher sets an MLB record. Glad justice was served, and we're going to dive into it. There goes that man's jock <laughs> Oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. Good morning, man. How's it going? Oh, just fantastic. Uh, up bright and early this morning. Uh, got some great news to jump into. Uh, yeah. What do you got on your end to start things off this morning? So let's just dive in right away to probably the biggest news around the world to happen within the last 24 hours. Um, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on second degree murder, third degree murder and homicide. He potentially faces up to 75 years in federal prison. Um what do you how do you sort of feel on the situation now that something is finally it almost feels like justice has finally been served in all some of the wrongs have been overwritten with this decision coming down how big of a first step do you think this is in finally getting the ball rolling for inequality and injustice to finally start to happen yeah i mean obviously it's great to see i mean Unfortunately, with the way the justice system is, it's almost a year later, actually more than a year later now, a year and a a couple months um, for justice to finally be served. So um, I guess as um, as the world kind of waited over a year, it seems like it was kind of a long time for something to happen. Um, unfortunately, I feel like some people kind of forgot about it. And once it came out yesterday, people are like, oh yeah, like uh, that was going on. So, um, but obviously the justice system is the way it is and whatever, how the cards fall with that kind of stuff. I don't know anything about law, but, um, but yeah, like you said, I think it's a good, obviously a good step towards, uh, fixing some social injustices in the world. Um, kind of seeing the sports world out tweets and instagrams and comments and stuff about it there was some relief some um some progress but also a lot of them kind of just said we're not done yet like this is just a small victory on the way to uh bigger things which is an important thing to look at too um obviously there's a lot of other names that kind of um like brianna taylor and uh jacob blake um really kind of the other two um, stories that caught a lot of media attention the past year. Obviously, there's a lot more names than that that deserve to be mentioned, but those are just the two that the media followed the most. So um, those are kind of two cases as well. We'll kind of have to see over the next six months to a year how those play out. But um, yeah, small victory, but still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and us being the sports show, we don't really want to talk too much about like politics and and that type of stuff because that stuff gets kind of messy when you start talking about that too much. But we just thought that this was a very important topic to at least bring up and and have some conversation on here this morning. Um, I also think that it it was a great first step and it was great to see all the athletes and all the people who did comment online that I did happen to see, um, like you said, we still have a long way to go and there's still a lot of work to be done, which is great to see that 
it wasn't just a one win and then everybody like kind of like goes back to their normal lives. Like it's good to see that the consistency that's going to be in this battle from everyone, not just all these athletes from just people across the country, finally waking up and seeing all these wrongs that we can fix to make America a better place for everybody who wants to come here and, and live a life in the United States of America. So Glad to see justice um, being served. And like you said, as far as like the Jacob Blake and all that other stuff, I know the Breonna Taylor thing, I think that's all said and done with already. I think none of the officers got in trouble No, but or that's, faced anything on that one. I know there's been pushed to like appeals and stuff with that, which see what happens with that. But obviously you'd like to see more get done about that. That seemed like a short kind of just stint. So um, maybe no laws. Yeah, I know some laws got passed from that since nothing criminal was was charged against those officers. I know that there's no more, I think, um, plain closed officers allowed anymore in the state, as well as no more no knock uh, search warrants. I think that actually was passed in because of that case, as that was probably one of the most horrible things you could imagine happening, but yet again, anybody losing their life when, when that shouldn't happen is, is one of the most unfortunate things to see. So that's kind of all, all I got on that, on the, on that topic. Like I said, we don't really want to take up too much talking about the politics and that type of stuff as you can, you can go on Facebook or hop on a news channel. If you want to watch stuff about that, we're, we're really here to break down sports, but because of the, the weight that that news does carry, we needed to at least bring it up here this morning. For sure. Um, so yeah, diving into sports here, uh, kind of kicking things off with the NFL. What's some of the biggest news uh, over the last couple of days? The biggest, I, I got a couple things here. First, uh, potential trade between the Packers and the Patriots um, going to happen in the first round. Obviously, it could be all smoke and could be a joke, but a picture was tweeted out yesterday of a somebody's desk within the Packers organization, and on the sheet it said Packers trading potential love pick 29, a second rounder, and a potential fourth for the Patriots' 15th pick. Obviously, like I said, it could be could be all smoke, could be could be a big joke. Also, could have some weight behind it. No one really knows. Being a Packer fan, you hope it's true. Seeing that move would pretty much guarantee that we're going to have Rodgers for the rest of his career. Um, I'd love to see that. I'd, I personally don't think love just generally fits the Green Bay Packers style. I feel like there potentially is other people out there that would fit better than he does. So I think that would be a great move for, for the Packers to get that done. What do you think of if the Packers decide to make that move. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be nice to see the Packers finally do something with their draft picks, trading up, trying to get some, um, solidify some better weapons for Rogers. Hopefully if that's what they decide to do by trading up to, uh, you said, would it be the 15th pick that they'd move up to? Yeah. So, um, Obviously, picking at at fifteen instead of twenty nine, uh, you have fourteen more guys to essentially choose from. Moving up that far, um, obviously, your Jamar Chase, your Devontae Smith, your Kyle Pitts will 
should hopefully be long gone by then. You never know with the draft if they fall that far. You'd hope at 15 the Packers would snag any guys who fall through the cracks like that. But um, some other names that stick out is obviously Rondale Moore from Purdue, uh, Terrace Marshall from LSU. Um, I guess those are kind of the next two receivers if that's who they decide to go after. Kyle Pitts is kind of the standalone tight end after that it's uh, Pratt Fryermuth uh, out of Penn State is kind of the number two projected tight end, which I think the Packers are sitting pretty good at tight end with uh, Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, even uh, Daphne. He had a, t- a touchdown pa- uh, catch in uh, week 17 last year. So um, Rogers, basically one of those guys where, hey, if you're on this field, that means you prove something and I'm going to get you the ball. Um, if you go out and work for it. So it's great to see the amount of receivers that get involved on that offense. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to see them move up to 15 and potentially go out and finally get a receiver. Um, yeah. However that works out. Um, it doesn't sound like they'd be giving up too much as far as picks from this year, even into next year, if they decide to give up some future picks, whatever that looks like. But yeah, I think that definitely be a good move for them and be an, very exciting as a Packers fan to finally see something like that happen. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. And then the um, biggest news that I have coming out of the NFL probably within the last week or two, um, former Colts wide receiver Anthony Gonzalez, now congressman for the state of Ohio, plans to introduce a federal bill for college athletes to get paid for names, image, and likeness. Um Hearing him talk yesterday, he he was on an interview on the Pat McAfee show, and he was on there for quite a while. And um, it was just really neat to hear him talk on his stance. Like California right now, um, Texas, and then there's like two other states that were passed a bill for players to get paid. So you're going to see a lot of athletes going to colleges in the states to get paid. Well, that's not really fair as far as recruiting and stuff like that, where only some colleges are paying. And then there's a lot of stipulations that he was talking about. Like, is it the colleges paying these kids? So like if they're paying them, then they can fire them and not pay them. So if you, if you have a bad game, they can basically take your scholarship and take all of your money, all the money that they're paying you away and saying, sorry which isn't in the best interest for colleges because you're going to, it basically become the pros at the college level where guys are getting traded to universities. You can't do all that kind of stuff. So something's going to have to get done and get put in place here where athletes can't, aren't just getting fucking dropped from universities and having like, you know, basically being a suitcase, that's a tough life to live. And then the school life on top of that, that'd be very hard to um, deal with, but it's very cool to see the federal bill finally um, coming to the, through the thing. I believe he said that it was passed through the house of representatives and now it needs to get through the Senate. Um so, yeah, that'd be very cool to see a federal bill go through for, for all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it'd be – it's – as much as it's a needed process, it's a slippery road because as soon as money is involved, then it kind of changes the whole dynamic, and especially at the college level. 
Um, for a lot of these guys, obviously, they go to these schools to play football or just play collegiate sports in general. A lot of them trying to make it to the next level. Um, but at the same time, for a lot of them, school is just as important, if not more important than the sport. And if you take the sport away from some of these kids and try to relocate them and stuff in the middle of a semester, like during a, a finals week or mid like midterm week, like stuff like that, it's like that can screw up a, a kid's like grades and like um, school career and stuff like that. So at that point, you're kind of making college more about obviously the sports than about the education by bringing money into it. Obviously, that, that doesn't change my dynamic on the whole situation. I definitely think these guys deserve to get paid in some respect. But, yeah, as soon as you bring money to the equation, it definitely makes things messy. Yeah, Pat, Pat McAfee, speaking of messy, Pat brought up a great point that I never even thought about until he brought it up yesterday, is, like, colleges say that they have no money and, oh, look at the books, we don't have any money, and it's just like – yeah, because they spend it all on the athletic programs so that they have no money. You know what I mean? Like they're already quickly investing it back in saying we don't have any money, so we need more money. They're they're always playing like, oh, we're poor, we're poor, we're poor when you're making so much money. But then you walk on, I guarantee you, you could almost walk on every single Division One college campus and there's construction being done on at least one of the athletic program stuff to make it better guarantee you there's always something being done to continue to make their facilities better stuff like that so the second that they get any type of money they're spending that really quick to to keep themselves strapped for cash so that they can't afford to pay these athletes and and do all that sort of stuff so it's it, it pat's point just made me laugh it's just like that is hilarious how Oh yeah, we don't have any money to do this, but we currently have a six hundred fifty million dollar uh, workout facility being built. It's just like okay, mm-hmm. all those boosters and checks under the table—they uh, nobody knows where they come from, but they show up at the right time <laughs> all the time. So, um, yeah, kind of sticking with the NFL, I got a couple points here as well. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers extend coach Mike Tomlin through 2024 20, season. So great to see them keeping him uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike Tomlin's had admirable career. Um, I know he's had, um, I mean, obviously kind of paying attention to the game of football. Um, he's always had a good year. Um, he's never had a losing season, um, which is admirable after 14 years. And he has a 153, 86 and one record. So, um, he's sitting pretty good. So with this three-year extension through 2024, obviously, so long as the Steelers stay on their path, I see them extending him more because I think he's what in his late forties, early fifties, he's a pretty young guy. Um, he came into the league in his, or he, he got that head coaching position in his thirties. I want to say kind of like the same age as, uh, LaFleur did. Um, do you see the Steelers, um, still get it potentially getting another Super Bowl or even an AFC championship appearance under Mike Tomlin, um, at least in the next couple of years, or do you think it's going to take big Ben to get out the door before they start to see some changes in that organization? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, 
I I don't see them winning a Super Bowl. I could see them potentially winning an AFC Championship. I don't see them winning a Super Bowl. Actually, I take that back. I don't even see them winning an AFC Championship. Um, they're gonna have to go through the end of Ben's career and and bring in a, the guys that you had when you were making those runs. The Palomaus, the James Harrison, the Bud Dupree's, the their team was stacked. Le'Veon, Antonio Brown in their primes, like Ben Roethlisberger was in his prime still. Like that team was just built like a monster. And <laughs> thank God the Packers ended up beating him in that Super Bowl. But at, like that team was incredible. Um, I, I don't see they have the talent or they're anywhere close currently. So... I, I see they're going to probably have to move on from Big Ben and rebuild, basically, and try to do rebuild that super team. Like you said, they re-signed Tomlin for three years. Their coaches have – that's like – they've had like three coaches in the last like 60 years where some organizations are on their 10th coach, and, and you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. clearly he knows what he's doing, and he just needs to get those pieces in order to rebuild that and hopefully go for a run. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that as well. I definitely think it's going to be minimally five years before we see the Steelers at that level of the eight, like AFC Championship or even a Super Bowl appearance again. Um, and before you can even get to that look at the division they're in now every team is basically it's going to be interesting to see how the Bengals play out this year but if the Bengals trend in the way that it looks like they're going to that's it's basically going to be the NFC West and the AFC North are going to be kind of your two powerhouse divisions that really all four teams could be a playoff contender um yeah and again the Bengals have a lot a lot to prove and it'd be um basically you have to win that division to solidify a spot in the playoffs because everything after that the second team maybe would squeak in um this past year three of them ended up making it which was cool to see but um as the nfl kind of spreads more thin aside from your powerhouses in uh now the rams Kansas City and Tampa Bay are kind of your three teams that are could go that look like they could go out and win next year with exactly what they have without changing anything. The Packers as well. If like looking at their personnel and their roster, yes, you'd say that. But whatever's going on behind the scenes there that they can't get past the NFC Championship, that's a different story. But um, but yeah, the Steelers. I think they have a taller task within their division before they can even worry about a conference championship appearance or a Super Bowl appearance. So they got a couple of years to kind of rebuild that young team. Their defense is phenomenal. I've top 10 defense for years and years and years, kind of neck and neck with the Ravens uh, in the same division as well. So they definitely need some rebuilding on that offense. They definitely have a good trend with a young receiving core. Um, but Big Ben's kind of the the old quarterback. Nobody really goes after a guy like that anymore. So they definitely need to, once he's done, kind of revamp that offense and establish a new identity before they're going to make a deep playoff run. 
Yeah, and then you mentioned the AFC North uh, sticking with that. Joey Burrow said hopefully he'll be ready for the season opener after a successful knee surgery. Um, yeah, ho- ho- hopefully he gets out there. It'd be nice to see him starting game one for the Bengals this year. Um, you hate to see a number one pick go down and get hurt in this first year, but that line didn't do anything to protect him. He hopefully he doesn't run himself into an Andrew Luck type situation where he's taking so many hits that the, your career just doesn't get to last. And then um, Jordan Reed, um, former tight end for the Washington football team, calls it a career after concussions have uh, started piling up and getting in the way. So he's stepping away from the game. Um, good to see him walking away on his own terms, you know, instead of him getting hit to the head and them telling him that you can't play anymore. So glad to see him. It's always great to see an athlete retire when they want to, not when they have to. Um, So shout out to Jordan Reed for a hell of a career. Like good for you, buddy. And then I just have two things here on the draft really quick. Um, Denver has reached out to Atlanta for the fourth pick offered some, some stuff. Um, no move has been made yet. Nothing's been made public about what was offered in that type of stuff. So who knows? Also, the Miami Dolphins are potentially shopping that six pick as well after they decided to move back and then back up. And now they're potentially thinking about moving again. Um, so yeah, a lot of things to keep your eyes open for as the draft comes up here. And, uh, Justin Fields, after his last pro days, boosted his stock up quite a bit. Trey Lance also boosted his stock up very far. And then um, Mac Jones and Justin Fields potentially have photographic memories out of out of all of this is what rumors are coming out of that. So how how incredible of an asset do you think that is for a quarterback to have, especially coming into the league? Oh, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I really any sports level even just as um at an educational level having a photographic memory to where you can remember stuff and just tap into that piece of your brain to um take it from paper to the field to say when you that snaps when you see something happen it just becomes muscle muscle memory to react to it that's a huge step coming into the league um especially because you look at quarter like Patrick Mahomes, for instance, uh, it was last year he came out and said, I never really learned a playbook until this year. Up until now, I just got gone out there and, and play and let my uh, my athleticness and um, everything else kind of take over. So look at what he's done. And he's he admitted that it, it wasn't until last year that he started really learning a playbook and understanding a playbook. So look at Trey Lance and Justin Fields, if they come into the league with their athleticism, with their, um, the muscle memory, the photographic memory of learning these playbooks, they're going to be a step ahead of even Patrick Mahomes, so long as they can back it up and fit into the right scheme. So yeah, obviously it's huge, um, to have that kind of asset to where you kind of just, it's not hours and hours of studying and struggling, learning a playbook. You can kind of just take a brief glance at it and go out there and ball out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a very, 
tangible and very important asset for, like you said, athletes all over the boards in all different types of sports, just due to the fact that the quicker you can pick it up, the quicker you can really accelerate the rest of your game. Like once you understand where everybody's supposed to be, what you're really supposed to do, then you can kind of focus on the other areas as far as like the skills part of your game. So yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And then the last point I have on the NFL here, um, kind of circling back to the George Floyd thing, Las Vegas owner, um, he takes some heat after a tweet that he posted yesterday. Um, I think it just, uh, all it said was I can breathe. And I had the date for 2020, 2021, um, which um, the way I, the way I read it is like justice is being served and stuff. And obviously with the owner being off it again, politics don't want to dive into it too much, but it kind of just sucks that the guy had to come out and, um, defend his tweet when basically he was just trying to um, show, I guess, again, that small victory that happened yesterday. So, um, again, just a minor point in the sports world with the whole George Floyd thing. Um, with him being, I don't know, a white male owner, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Again, um, politics isn't really something we dive into too much, but um, yeah, that was just something that I had saw yesterday. Yeah, I saw that too, and what a fucking idiot for saying that. Yeah. Like, whether or not he, he it was like, it, it seems like it was almost like a mock, kind of. I mean, yeah, but, it's a twist. It's a twist. Of, I mean, it's literally a guy's last he, words, and you're putting a twist on it to and put then out yet a tweet. A, right, and then yet again, no one really knows what he is truly intending by saying that online since – it's online, you know, everybody can interpret it their own, their own way. And that's the one shitty thing about social media and stuff online is just because the words are typed, you don't really understand how the context of, that the person's trying to use it in where face to face, you can really tell how they're using what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt and yeah, I hope I hope that he isn't that big of a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, like you said, like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but when you are the owner of a NFL organization, you obviously, I mean, you got to be careful what what you say, especially with um, big topics and uh, social injustice and stuff like that. But I mean, hopefully, the guy's head was in the right place. But I mean, everybody's everybody's entitled to their own opinion and interpretations of how people say things online. So um, some people probably liked what he said. Some people didn't, and that's just how it is. Uh, moving on to the NBA here. Um, I guess kind of the, the big point from yesterday, uh, James Harden um, looks like he's going to be out indefinitely after a setback in his hamstring rehab. Again, it's a topic we feel like we talk about every day, every other day. Are the Nets in trouble um, with James Harden being out indefinitely? Obviously, you still have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, um, Blake Griffin on that squad. But like as you talked about on Monday, James Harden has kind of been their, their crutch with these guys being out. He'll go out there and drop 30, 40 points and 
sneak out a close win when they need it most. So with him being out indefinitely, what, is it, what does that kind of look like for them as the NBA playoffs approach? Well, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say because I thought that they would struggle, but then last night Kyrie puts up 34 or 32, whatever it was, and they ended up winning the close game, and he was the only big dog that they had playing last night. So I don't know. It's really hard <laughs> It's really hard to tell if, if this is really going to stop them or not. Um, Steve Nash came out and said that it's looking like he ain't going to be back until the first round of the playoffs, hopefully, um, that he's back to square one, which is very unfortunate. I, I've, I've dealt with the hamstring injury. I tore my hamstring back in the day, so I, I know the process of how difficult that is to get your hamstring ready before you fully are able to push it with not being worried that you're going to re-tear it or redo, re-injure it somehow. So I completely get how frustrating that is, but yeah, that's something that you got to be really careful with. It's uh, one of the main muscles in your body and it's super important. It does a lot more than you'd think it does. Mm -hmm. It's like connected to your lower back and a whole bunch of different things. So hope, hopefully he gets back full strength, you know, and how we talked about it'd be such a joke if they ended up winning the NBA finals. Um, no team has ever won the NBA finals when they have three or more players miss more than 10 games. And yesterday was Harden's 10th game. So they're on pace to break a record here. If they, if they get the job done. Yeah. Kind of like you said with the, the hamstring injury, it's um, like you said, it, I, I never had a hamstring injury, but I had a couple of groin injuries playing football. And it's always like, you know, like, especially being like immature high school, it's just like, Oh, you pulled your dick. Like, like just get over it. Whatever. It's like, you like you hear groin injury again, your groin is one of those injuries where it's just like, you can't fucking walk, like sitting down hurts, standing up hurts, all that kind of stuff. So, and even multiply that times 10 at the professional level, because it's instead of it being, 15, 16 year old kids on a, on a football field or an, an ice rink. And some of them are going hard. Some of them aren't at the professional level. Everybody's going a hundred percent and they're all top of the line athletes. So obviously getting back to a hundred percent and rehabbing injuries like that, it's even more crucial. And it's probably as much as it's a harder process, they have the better, they have better training and resources than, uh, obviously a high school athlete does. So, um, yeah, that was just a point I want to bring up about that. Yeah. When you hurt your groin, did you tear your adductors? No, it was just, mm. it was just like a minor strain, but even still, I was out like a week and a half, two weeks. Fuck. You got lucky dude for, I completely tore my left hamstring, but all six of my abductor adductors on both sides of my groin and it was, oh, it was the worst. I'm just going to break it down real quick because now that we were talking about it, I just want you to picture this in your head. It was like one of the very first plays of the year, playing running back, break a tackle. I'm running down the sidelines, going for a touchdown, right? Little fucking cornerback grabs my foot and he's holding on to my foot. And I go to rip my foot out of his hands. And when I go to pull my foot out of his hands, I rip my hamstring right in half. So I hear that pop, and next thing, super fat D lineman ends up getting down the field and jumps on my back. I went straight down and did the Chinese splits, like the forward splits. Mm. 
did that all the way down to the ground, dude, and I heard everything just rip and pop right in my ears. And then I was like, ah! Couldn't you? Oh my god! It was that. That was probably one of the worst pain experiences I've ever experienced. That was that was rough. And like I said, your hamstring is such a huge muscle. It does so much for you. Like mine, I didn't get surgery or anything. They just like let it heal on its own. But it's way. It's like in a different position. Like if I rub my hands on the backs of my legs, my one hamstring is like way down more towards like my knee. And the other one's like way up higher. So like I could definitely tell which one was ripped. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of injuries are crazy and it's, it sucks, especially now. Cause it's like back in like high school, it's like these it kind of injuries happen. And now fast forward 10, 15 years, we're sitting talking about sports. We're not even playing sports anymore. And still got to deal with those injuries every day, <laughs> but yeah. yeah um, the other I just point, have one more. Oh, yeah. Go you, ahead. Oh, the other point I had on the NBA, um, Steph Curry uh, passes Kobe with the NBA record um, over the the uh, usually there on Monday or Sunday. He tied Kobe with 11 straight games of 30 points or more, or with 10 straight games of 30 points or more. Last night would go on to have 11 straight games, um, having the record uh, alone. And uh, he put up 49 points total and in a, a crucial win, uh, 107 to 96 over the 76ers. So, um, again, great to see him continue to put up records. Obviously, arguably one of the greatest shooters ever exists in the game. So it's a, it's a pleasure to um, be alive and watch some of the greatest basketball players to ever step on the court. Yeah, shout out to Steph. Um, I feel like with the way he's been playing, he even made the comment that this is the best stretch of basketball he's ever put together in his entire life. I think he's put himself square first place in that MVP conversation. Um, what he's been able to do basically by himself is is insane. And like you said, great arguably one of the greatest shooters of all time. Um, he, ba- he changed the game of basketball. Um, so him being the first guy to shoot it from everywhere and, and be able to make it from everywhere all the time kind of was a huge deal. And it's, it's amazing to see him continue to get hot and continue to cook. So, Hopefully he can keep that rolling. I'd love to see him get the MVP. And like I said, hopefully they end up squeaking in and making the playoffs because it'd be cool to see him and their team go on a run basically with nobody. Yeah, for sure. Um, Any other points on the NBA? No, that's all I got. All right. Um, I just got a couple points here on the NCAA um, with March Madness wrapped up and um, really – Spring football is just kind of getting started. Um, just a couple of NCAA points. Uh, University of Texas El Paso athletics program is being punished after violating uh, coaching personnel rules. Uh, supposedly they've had like, kind of like you have a cap on roster space. Uh, supposedly they exceeded the amount of coaches that you can have at, um, on a coaching staff. So the uh, head football coach and head softball coach received suspensions for the upcoming season, some fines, stuff like that. 
Um, don't know how stuff like that happens. Um, I've, I've, whether it was just a slip up or an athletic director not doing their job or just some shady stuff going on behind the scenes of trying to have some extra people in the room to give an advantage, whatever it might've been. Um, but yeah, definitely never hear stuff like that happening. So I just had to uh, bring that up. And then the other point as well, uh, former USC Trojans lineman, Chris Brown dies at the age of 24. So sad to see a young man lose his life uh, so early. Um, cause of death has not been yet released. Um, so I guess as that, as that comes out, maybe later this week, we'll touch on that, but yeah, sucks to see young man have his, um, has, have his athletic career, more importantly, his life get cut short. Yeah. Sad to see that. And our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and everybody that knows him. Um, yeah, it's a tough time. That's, that's, those are, tough times for anybody to really deal with. Um, any other points for a dive into the MLB and throw things over to you for hockey? No. Yeah. I think uh, we can head her right over to the MLB here. Sounds good. So yeah, just a quick MLB minute here. Uh, the angels moved to nine and six behind o Otani's uh, four shutout innings and a trout and Pujols home run. They go on to beat the Rangers six to two. Um, last night, the Milwaukee Brewers moved to 10 and seven on a historic Tuesday night. They shut out the Padres six to zero. Corbin Burns becomes the first starting pitcher in the modern era to start, uh, a season with 40 consecutive stri uh, strikeouts and no walks. So, uh, extremely impressive mark and great to see the Brewers bullpen kind of having things figured out, at least what it looks like for the early part of the season, um, and then just two days after Mookie Betts has a game-ending catch worthy of catch of the year, last night, Billy McKinney of the Brewers has an amazing catch as well, Tuesday night to keep the Padres off the board. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the clips, definitely go check them out, the Mookie Betts catch as well as the Billy McKinney catch. And then lastly, the Yankees finally end their five-game skid and go on to beat the Braves 3-1. to one. Oh, and then I, did, I guess I have one more point. Um, rain and, uh, some interesting weather with a D backs Reds game, uh, rain, which then turned into snow in the eighth, uh, inning would, uh, postpone the game. That game will finish up, uh, tonight before their regularly, regularly scheduled game. Um, currently the Reds are up five to four in that game. Uh, so kind of a, a double header for them, even though really they got an inning and a half left to play in one game. So, yeah, that kind of wraps things up for the MLB. What do you got going on in the hockey world? So, uh, Patrick Marlowe, a San Jose Shark member, passes Gordie Howe for the most NHL games played ever. Um, shout out to Pat Marlowe. He's played in his 1,768th game, and they ended up losing in a shootout 3-2 to two to the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Um what a what a amazing moment to see! Uh, they kind of stopped the game for him and gave him a standing ovation. And I know all the teams that he's been playing recently have all been congratulating him. And they made him a custom pair of gloves that said "Patty Marlowe's leads the leads the league in games played." Like so awesome! Um, I don't think anybody's going to sniff sniff that at all um, with the game changing. 
your career pretty much when you're 27, you're on the latter half of your career in the NHL now. So unless you can continue to get it done, you don't really have that opportunity to keep playing. I know some of these older guys like Patty Marlowe and Zdeno Chara and Joe Thornton kind of get the grandfathered pass in as they were playing a long time ago. So great, great to see Patty Marlowe do that. I mean, it's, it's very impressive to, for the, to see that record fall. Um, Another thing, um, Montreal Canadiens goalie, Carey Price in concussion protocol after taking a slap shot to the head. Um, one thing that I know that they have been working on continuously is the padding in the goalie's helmets. Um, seeing goalies getting dinged by 100-mile-per-hour slap shots in the head, I know. I, I've personally put a few goalies down in my day. I know all it takes is hitting them right on that perfect spot and – down they go. So it'd be cool to see them come up with some, some uh, better equipment for the goaltenders there. So they, so they're a little bit more protected, but Montreal's on a little skid right now. Hope they're holding on for that last place as they sit at four um, Spencer Knight Also last night, Florida Panthers made his NHL debut in the net. Uh, he ends up getting the win. He made 33 saves. Shout out to the U S kid. Spencer Knight, uh, he was on that U.S. team uh, years ago, the junior team that ended up winning uh, with Caulfield and a handful of the other guys, Holloway, handful of other guys that just recently signed. Um, What else did I have here? Oh, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs ended up losing again yesterday. Vancouver's 2-0 since they've came back from the COVID stint. They are currently eight points back with four games in hand. They're making a push for the offs. Um, I think that'd be really neat for them to, to sneak in, you know, after that kind of delay, they got, they have to play. I forget what it is. It's like 15, 15 games in like 21 days, 20 days, something just brutal that they're not too happy about, but yeah, they rallied. They scored four goals in the third period to end up winning five to three yesterday. So that was pretty cool. I had to turn that game on. Um, another crazy game yesterday. I don't know if anybody got the chance to see it. Pittsburgh Penguins and the New Jersey Devils. The New Jersey Devils scored five goals in the third period. Um, turns out Pittsburgh scored six. NHL record, um, teams were 0-240-0 when giving up five goals in the third period. They're the first team ever in NHL history to score. And my boy Jeff Carter got his first as a Pittsburgh Penguin yesterday. So shout out to you, Cartsy. Um, That's kind of all that I really had. And end of the season games, you know, it's tightening up. Um, I guess one more quick thing that I could mention Colorado Avalanche with as hot as they've been. I know that they're on their pause with the COVID thing right now. They just had another member, Miko Rantanen, one of their top, top goal scorers. He now has entered the COVID protocol list. So it's not looking good with, you know, they only have nine games left in the season and hoping that, hoping that every team can make it through here. I know the OHL, they shut this, shut it all down and, Basically said everybody's going to stay at home this year. So it's unfortunate for those kids because I don't know what they what they get to do now that they've kind of been stranded from playing college hockey since they went to the OHL. But, yeah, 
it's really interesting how things are going to shake out here. Like I said, season's pretty much coming to an end here. Um, all the battles are pretty much – you have one battle between Nashville, Dallas, and Chicago. Uh, the other battle you got is Calgary, Montreal. That's that's kind of all you got there. Um, my Flyers, it's a miracle. They'd have to win pretty much every single game left on the, on the schedule. And Boston would have to pretty much lose every single one, so that's not going to happen. That's pretty much all locked up. Um, Arizona, St. Louis, the Sharks and the Kings, I guess. Those those four are all battling for the West. But, yeah, like I said, it's getting to the end here. Kind of things are wrapping up and sh- taking shape to how they should. There's only a few battles left, and I'm excited to get to the playoffs. To, I know the Boston Bruins-Washington uh, Capitals series has been getting really chippy and really nasty. So hopefully we get to see those guys in the playoffs. For sure. And kind of with playoff talk, again, we briefly mentioned it last week. Uh, keep an eye out. We'll we'll be posting stuff on socials and obviously talk about talk about it more on the show um, once it gets closer. But we'll be doing a NHL uh, playoffs bracket challenge. So um, haven't decided yet what kind of the prize is going to be for anybody for whoever has the best bracket coming out of the other end or um, whatever that looks like. But we'll be releasing details obviously as soon as the bracket is finalized and stuff like that. So. Um, and everybody loves a contest, whether they're um, biggest ho- hockey fans in the world or just looking to get into a contest for fun and maybe pick some teams based on who they think is the coolest mascot to <laughs> go to the, the Stanley Cup uh, uh, finals. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And like I said, we'll be releasing details as it gets closer. Yeah. Um, thanks everyone again today for stopping by and watching the show. We really appreciate all that you've, that you guys do for us. Um, if you haven't already go like, follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel, all of our other socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook and all the others. You can also find us on Spotify, um, iHeartRadio and yeah, other platforms like that. So we're pretty much everywhere, so you, you're going to be able to find us in the League of Their Own podcast. That's where you can find us. So uh, thanks again for stopping by today, and I hope everybody has a great hunt day. Sounds good. See you guys tomorrow.